so did you enjoy the rib about the uh the to- the at Todd's podcast? Which rib? You being beeped out of the show. Yeah, somebody tipped me off to that. Okay. Uh and I'm I'm fine because that means I am getting talked about and you're doing more work. Right. I think what it had come up from was mm-hmm. uh we ended the show. Right. And uh Adam's like, Oh, I don't think we talked about Todd that much this week. Mm-hmm. And I go, I think you got him once at the beginning. And then at the end when you were talking about maybe bringing him to the show. He goes, oh, that's not bad. That's kind of low. What show? Was that the ALF show? Yeah, the ALF show. I wanted to meet ALF. Right. Oh, man. Did did Adam go? No, Adam didn't go. Okay. He would he, work at Best Buy. All Come right. on. he ain't. He's leaving his house as much as you are. I leave my house a lot. Mm-hmm. You're the one who never leaves the fucking house. Well, you're, you're going to find out why. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think this is episode 205 of Longbox Heroes After Dark. This is good enough a time as any to get down to the business of things. So I'm just regaling Todd about the brainstorm when we were when we recorded uh, At Odds at Wrestling last week. And we had mentioned that we hadn't talked about Todd much. And I go, no, you know, I go, and it just came to me. I go, and I, and I asked Adam, I go, would you be opposed if I went through the show and like beeped out Todd's name. He wouldn't be uh, adverse to that at all. He goes, no, that's pretty good. I go, all right. I go, I don't know what it's going to entail. And it was more work than I thought it would be. Because you had to scrub the whole whole episode, right? You had to watch it. Well, I knew where we had talked about you. Right. So I just had to go there, and I just had to make sure that I lined them up perfectly. I didn't want any... Any instance of your name to bleed through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a situation where it was like, a lot of times Adam was saying, me and Todd. Mm-hmm. Where it was, all to, it was like almost as though it was like one word that me and Todd was one word. Sure, sure, because so everybody wants to be sure, a like, part of this. To really kiss it with the beep, you know? Yep. <laughs> <sighs> Never again. You're not doing that again? No. <laughs> Why not? I think that should, For the fun think, of the rib, you know? I don't know. I I think you should li- I think you should after recording the show sit down and listen to the whole show again okay. and time code out my name and make sure you get it all because, you know, it's good practice. It's good practice, you know? Right, it is good practice. For real editing stuff. So, it, as mentioned, this is After Dark 205. Uh, soon to be named movie project thing, mm-hmm. Roman numeral 10, which we'll get to in about six hours. <laughs> right. Because we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Right. So Todd, uh, decided to use his social media presence, mm-hmm. his, uh, influence to start taking shots, not only at Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> now just called Dunkin', but also right. the people that go to Dunkin' Donuts as well. Right, of what course. What provoked this out of nowhere? Okay, so to backtrack a little bit, um, working for with my father for years back when we we had the quarry that we stole, he was a big like coffee drinker and he loved Dunkin' Donuts. And I hate coffee, straight up fucking hate coffee. So I think like literally in my life I've had three cups. Um, I'm forty five, so you know you do the math. Every fifteen years. 
or so I, I have a cup of coffee. But uh, he would want me to go to Dunkin' Donuts like many times a day for him. Be like, all right, you're on break. Go get me coffee. And with Dunkin' Donuts, they had the drive-thru. And it would, you'd go to the drive, and he'd be like, don't go to the drive-thru because it takes too fucking long. Go, don't be lazy. Go in and get the coffee. Well, <laughs> you know, Dunkin' Donuts now, the way they have it set up by my house, is a clusterfuck. On Saturday at, like, whatever time I tweeted it was when I was going for coffee. Um, we had gotten together. My grandmother has a house where she passed away. And when she passed away, we moved all the shit out of the house and put it in the garage. And that was years ago. And finally we need room in the garage. So we're cleaning it out. We rented a dumpster and we got a couple, we got a guy, we got two guys, one guy showed up. So I have to help. And in the middle of it, he's like, go for coffee. Don't fucking go to the drive through Cause it goes all the way out into the street. Like the drive through at our Dunkin' Donuts is like, like a hundred yards long. Cause it goes around, around the parking lot and then out into the street. And then like on a Saturday or a, a work day before work, it'll be out into Main Street. And people will be like just fucking stopped on Main Street in my town going, no, I I, I can't figure out another fucking thing to do. I have to sit here so I can get, get be next and get my coffee. And I can't let the guy who's on the, the facing the other way trying to get in get in. So traffic's all fucked up. So I go. I get out. I park in the, in the goddamn uh, – shopping plaza that's near it so i get out i walk like you know a hundred yards i walk in and the fucking line in the dunkin donuts is as long as the cars outside there's got to be 25 people inside and i'm like jesus christ right so i need like two coffees and a water for myself so i'm waiting in line i'm waiting in line i'm waiting in line i get like three four to the front and all these fucking Dunkin' Donuts people, they're standing there like it's the first time they've ever ordered shit in their entire fucking life. It's like, uh, what do you want? And, you know, looking up from the phone, like, oh, I'm sorry, I was playing on my app. I, I don't know what's supposed to be happening. What do I want? Let me look at the left side of the menu up on the wall. Let me look at the right side of the menu. Let me look back to the left side of the menu. I want a brownie. You're not having a brownie. All right. I want, and this goes on for four people in front of me. And I'm like, fucking people, like, like, move it along. Like, know what you want. Like, I walk up, give me two coffees, one cream sugar, one black, and one water. Here's my money. Fucking let me go down the other end and get my coffee. And I left and it took me forever. I get back and my father's like, I fucking told you not to go, not to go in the drive-thru. You took so long. I'm like, here's a goddamn picture. I took it on my phone because I knew what was going to happen. He <laughs> said, here's how many people were in front of me when I walked in the door. I'm like, you can't get coffee quick at Dunkin' Donuts on a Saturday at like 9.30. It just doesn't fucking happen. He's like, oh, all right. You don't have to get mad about it. <laughs> I'm like, don't send me. I don't drink this shit. So I don't want to have to go get it. Uh, so... That's that's why I hate Dunkin' Donuts and the the, the crazy drivers slash fucking addicts that go to Dunkin' Donuts. All right. Wait a minute. Did I get a little hot there? You did. Okay. Wouldn't now again? I, I don't know the geography of uh, where you are in relation to this Dunkin' Donuts, right? Five blocks. Okay. No other place to get coffee, like not a curry donut. Not a oh. Starbucks. 
uh, there's the, there's the Starbucks. You have an idea of where I live. Literally, my grandmother's house was uh, on five houses away on the parallel street to mine. Right. So, like I could get to your house, but if I was at your house and you said, "Hey, Joe, go run 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 to Dunkin' Donuts by my house," I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is. You know, I'd have to. Right, but, it I, in my but I'm saying, so you know where I live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the only other the Dunkin' Donuts is you you go up to Main Street, you go. Five, seven blocks, I don't have it mapped out, to the right on Main Street, and there's a Dunkin' Donuts. The, the next place to get coffee, if you're not getting them at, like, Convenient or or, uh, or uh, Turkey, Turkey Hills Hill, or something. Right. Uh, sh- uh, everything else, I have to go up to Route 6, where the mall is. Okay. Where Burger King is, Sheets. So, like, that's going to take me just as long. And that one up on Route 6 is almost worse sometimes because you have all the, the people shopping on Saturday afternoons, mornings, and that's a clusterfuck. So, like, and I'm like, can't you just drink, like, tur- like Turkey Hill coffee I could probably go get in five minutes. But with the Turkey Hill coffee, it's like, they don't care about the pots. They let it burn. And I'm like, whatever. It's never fresh. It's, all right, you want your coffee? I'll go get it. You're the key to my inheritance. I'll do what you want. So I'll go get you Dunkin' Donuts. There you go. What a sweetheart you are. I am. I'm I'm all about the Benjamins. That's right. So So let me tell you about my week as it's been. Did you have any coffee? Uh, I have coffee every day. I have a big giant uh, tumbler. That I uh, that I enjoy a ton of coffee in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I keep it to myself. Um, you ever go to? You've seen the crafts with the coffee where you push the top. Yeah, it's like silver with the black top. You yeah, it's, it. you got the splitter on it. Yeah, I got you. Right. Okay. No one at my job fills them up. Like somebody fills them up first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I will watch people kick them both and not start a new one. Right, because that, hey, it's not your job. <sighs> See, coffee people are the worst. You're just affirming what I what I know. Yes. So, I'm at coffee all the time. So I leave mm-hmm. the, co- we have to go all the way back to me leaving the comic shop uh, this past week, right? Was it a month ago, a month and a half ago, when I was having those car problems where my car wasn't starting? Vaguely, yes. Took it, put a new bat. They said it was uh, 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 an issue with the wire or something. Mm-hmm. Put a new battery in, said they fixed the wire. Everything's fine. They write, and this is the thing that like mechanical folks do these days. They'll write on whatever the item that they're giving to you, whether it be a water heater or a car battery or whatever it is, they'll write the date on it, right? Real mm-hmm. real big things. Literally five weeks to the day outside of the comic book shop, my car ain't working. It ain't right. going to turn on. Same thing that had happened, you know, five weeks prior. Mm-hmm. But I have my jump box with me, so I'm good to go. I jump the car, I get it going. Next day I wake up, same thing. Okay, now we got to play like car hopscotch, I gotta take April to work, then her parents gotta run an extra car down to her. It's a whole bunch of big bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm off Friday. I was already off Friday because I had wrestling on Friday. I'm saving that for at odds with wrestling. I go oh, out. Darn. 
I try to turn the car over, it won't, won't turn over, so I jump it so I can get it to my garage. I had called them the day before, I said, hey, listen, you guys put a thing in, it's five weeks ago, it's doing the same exact thing again. Can I bring it up, have you guys look at it? Yes. So I turn, I, I have to jump it to get it up there, I get it up there, and I turn it off when I get there, and I'm like, oh shit, I should have turned it off, because now I gotta move it into the garage. So I go to turn it on, and it turns on no problem. I'm like, oh, what the fuck, fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. So they hook like the whatever it is up to the battery. They hook whatever it is up to the alternator. They said that both these numbers are fine, but let's run this thing through a charge, see what happens. So I'm sitting there for like two hours while they run it through this process. They don't see anything wrong with it. So I'm running on like borrowed time with this car. I don't know what the hell is going on with the electrical system on it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, in between that, uh, I went with DJ and his lovely bride, Michelle, to go see the new Halloween film, which I enjoyed very much. Good. Had a good time. Uh, April uh, has been going to the doctors for a number of things. Uh, it seems like every Friday she's going for something, but this was something minor. So she got out. I got done with the garage. I'm like, hey, we got some time to kill before Asa gets out of school. Before I have to go drive down to... Uh, Bethlehem for wrestling. Let's go to the movies. We went to go see A Star is Born, the new Lady Gaga movie. Well, I think it's the Andrew Dice Clay epic. I didn't know. See, I'm so out of touch. I didn't know Dice was in it. I told you Dice was in it. I think that doesn't sound like something you say. I I remember this 100%. I went to see a movie. I forget what it was. Doesn't matter. And they had a Star is Born ad. And there's... There's Lady Gaga. There's, uh, isn't it, uh, Rocket Raccoon or whoever's doing yeah, whoever Bradley the star Cooper. is? Bradley Cooper's there. They do all of it. There's no dice clay. The thing comes up. A star is born this, you know, October, whatever. And then they do the credits of who's in it. And you could see Lady Gaga. You could see Bradley Cooper. And I'm like, did I just fucking see Andrew Dice Clay is in this? Yeah, he and plays Gaga's immediately, father. I, what? He plays Lady Gaga's father. Well, immediately I'm like, okay, I got time before the movie starts. Let me Google this. I'm like, yep, Andrew Dice. Like, they made sure you couldn't see that Dice Clay's, like, and I think, isn't Chappelle in this, too? Yeah, like, Chappelle's in, like, two scenes, maybe? Like, one where he's, like, hanging out, and another one him and Bradley Cooper have, like, an extended heart-to-heart conversation. Well, there you go. They were trying to hide, though, so people would think it was, wouldn't think it was not a real movie. Well, that's the thing. They, you know... Dice Clay's in a couple scenes. He gives a good performance. It's a very good movie. I, I recommend it. I, I'm just saying, but go ahead. Sorry. All right. So we go to the movie. Go back home. April goes to pick up Asa from school. I go to, uh, I, I start my drive to Bethlehem, right? Mm-hmm. So you talk about lines, right? Right. Uh, have you ever gotten on the turnpike up here in the Wilkes-Barre area? I have, but it's been a long time. Okay, it's a little shitty rinky-dink toll plaza. It's one lane if you're coming south. It's two lanes if you're going south. Okay? One is like the easy pass, fast pass thing, and the other one is like ticket or easy pass, right? Right. So I'm going, and I see a huge line of cars. It's like six cars going through the easy pass thing, and nobody going through the side one. So I'm like, I'll go through the side one, no problem. I go through the side one, but it's a yield. You gotta yield to go into the the oncoming traffic because it's it goes from two it goes from one lane to two lanes back to one lane. 
Right, it goes to two lanes for the booths and then back to one. Right, back to one. Okay. So there's cars flying by. I'm at the yield, waiting for the opening. Bam! I get railed from behind by this big ram truck. Oh, my God. Doesn't stop. Just plows right into me. Knocks my glasses off. Knocks my hat off. Luckily, I'm wearing my seatbelt. So, and like, I was centimeters from being hit into another car. So I pull my car over. It's drivable-ish, right? Mm-hmm. I go look at the back. And the everything's made of plastic on these new cars today, right? Yep. So the bumper gets pushed in, so the two sides where it clips in are popped out, like they're broken out. Mm-hmm. The bumper has like a whole big crack going along the entire length of it, mm-hmm. where it got pushed in, and because this was a big Ram truck, I got a little shit car, the four screws where you would put his front license plate on left a perfect four-hole indention in my bumper even ripping two of the four screws out of his front plate. Right. So, uh, the guy's like, oh my God, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention, so on and so forth. So we exchange the insurance information, the whole thing. My shoulder's hurting a little bit. Uh, my neck hurting, you know, too bad. You know, my shoulder's really what's hurting, right? But he railed me, you know what I mean? This guy did not stop. Comes through the thing, hits me. So I drive down to Bethlehem, I get to Bethlehem, and my car is sounding weird, so I check to see what's going on. From him hitting me that car, he blew out both of my two front tires. Oh, my God. You Wait, so you drove down with down to Bethlehem? Oh, were you, dry, were you at Bethlehem when you were this? No, no, no. Once I got onto the exit, mm-hmm. I didn't realize because t- I looked around the car. Everything looked fine, but once I started moving the car again... It just popped the two front tires. Gotcha. And when I got the tires off, the entire in, like when you take the inside part was just like ripped to shreds. Like a quarter of the tire was just like, as though you just like ripped it open. Right. So luckily I've got two donuts. So I got to drive down to Bethlehem on two donuts. I'm not going to turn around. You know what I mean? I make my bookings. If I'm already on the road, I'm doing it. Right. Now, did you have another, this was the car that was having the trouble yes okay well do you have a, you have another vehicle though right not trying to be funny you're only at wilkesbury couldn't you have got gone home and got your other car i'm not i didn't want to turn around and get my wife's car and it would have put me like an hour behind schedule already further than like the half hour plus that i was behind schedule doing this gotcha i'm just asking yeah you know i can I mean? change a tire relatively quick you know what i mean i i had to change the tires regardless no no i got you i'm just asking so and, you know, that was just a nice, pleasant surprise. And now, here we are. That was Friday. This is Tuesday. And my shoulder doesn't hurt, but on my right side, like the right side of my neck hurts, only when I lay down or I turn my head. So, mm-hmm. we'll see how things go from there. But that was that was my weekend. And you recently got clipped in construction like a few months ago, didn't you? Somebody, somebody, didn't somebody push you off the road or something? Uh, this doesn't sound familiar to me. Oh no, well, that, that was not a year ago. That, that was, that wasn't a few months ago. That was like almost like two years ago. Oh, I thought that was only like a few months ago. No, 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 no. That was a while ago. Well, it, it was well over a year ago. 
Okay. Um, where I was on 81 and the the grasshopper, tr- like, lawn care people mm-hmm. just were coming from the left lane over into the right lane without using their turn signal. Mm-hmm. And their option was either hit me or me speed up. Well, I did that and I hit the car in front of me. And the grasshopper thing, like, went off down, like, the embankment and up and just right off the exit and kept going. See, I was remembering it as it you got hit and then you went off. No, well, You no, know what no. I mean? I, they were going to hit me. Gotcha, so, gotcha. So, you know what I mean? But, like, my uh, my instincts were just to avoid them and, unfortunately, I hit someone else. But that was, like, that was like a year and a half ago, I think. It right. Was, well, well my like question, said, it was definitely over a year ago, but either way. My question really comes to that is – Boy, is your insurance going to be high. Um, My insurance did go up from that one. It's going to go up from this one, too. No, it won't. Oh, you're going to... Okay, gotcha. Now, I'll just say, without giving too much away, I know someone who works in insurance, Mm -hmm. and in their 18 years of experience, as long as your company doesn't pay out any money, it doesn't affect your rates. Oh, really? Yes, that's the way it works. That's the only reason that your insurance goes up if your your com- your company pays out money, gotcha. I and, only th- and, I thought wait, caveat and don't get reimbursed. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend told me this. Right, I got gotcha. you. There are certain states you'll hear people say there's no fault insurance. I don't know if you've ever heard that terminology before. I, I, I've heard of it. What it is? It's states like uh, Pennsylvania, New York, Florida, just to name a couple off the top of my head. Uh, where if you get hurt and a car is involved, your insurance is paying out. Like, let's say you're getting shit out of your car and you slam your trunk or you slam your hand to the car door. Mm -hmm. You're hurt, a car is involved. You go to the doctor, your health insurance isn't paying that, your car insurance is paying that in those states. Okay. That's what the no-fault insurance is. Now, if somebody else is at fault, this guy hits me. He's admitting he's at fault, which doesn't mean anything because he could just say afterwards, I didn't, I never said that. He hits me, I'm hurt, my insurance pays out for me, we're a no-fault state, and then my insurance seeks reimbursement from the at-fault party. Okay. If my insurance doesn't get back the reimbursement from the at-fault party, then that affects my insurance. Okay, and I just want to say this is one of those patented Todd moments where none of this is going to stick. I don't expect it to. Gotcha. But my friend told me about all this insurance stuff, so. I gotcha. I'm just saying that it's already gone. Right. It, like, because literally as you were as you were saying a lot of that, I was Homer Simpsoning it with, like, cartoons in my head and right. stuff. But go ahead. So anyway, yeah, you know, you were just, you, you had brought up saying that my insurance was going to go up, so that's why it. You know. But it's not. That's no. basically what you're saying. Okay. Um, so that's enough of that. Let's get down to the real reason everyone's here, which mm-hmm. is to hear Todd talk about Repossessed. Right. Right. The movie that keeps on giving. The 90-minute movie. 90 minutes? Me- Wait, did I accidentally give you the extended cut? Because I- this ran at a brisk 82 minutes. I thought it was 89 when I looked it up. Um, which I, you know, when I hit 89, I counted as 90. You know all what I mean? right. Now, granted, I can end credits and stuff like that, but uh, no, I so think they, like, like from the minute you click on it to the minute like the credits roll, like the credits start to roll. There's there's no teaser at the end of the credits, by the way. No, I knew I I didn't wait and I didn't <laughs> listen to the whole song at the end. So oh, okay. 
But uh, basically why I'm saying how long the movie is, it took me three hours to watch. Oh, my goodness. Because there was a lot of note-taking, and I didn't <laughs> want to miss anything. The file I have here claims that it's 80 minutes and 43 seconds. Well, that, make, and that makes bell, sense. That's, and that's bell to bell. That's beginning to end. That's beginning to end credits. Okay, I used uh, IMDb. Mm-hmm. Not IMDb, uh, Wikipedia, which I understand can be wrong. Right, Wikipedia but- is incorrect. Right, but by Wikipedia standards, it has running time at 89 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that says that, and their, uh, where they get their source is, uh, Box Office Mojo. Right. So, so whatever. So 80 minutes, it took me three hours because I would stop and I would write. I, I almost want to count how many pages of notes I have. So as I go, I'm going to like rip them out and just like say, but it starts with, like a THX like parody. I don't know if BFD stands for anything. I don't know. I don't get it. But then we hear a fart sound, so I thought it was a gag. I don't know. But uh, we cut to 1973. Leslie Nielsen as Father May I. Yes. Um, there are going to be a thousand May I jokes in this. What? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do every one of them because they were. There was a lot of them where it's like, "Father, may I?" No, you may not. And I'm like, "Okay, I get it." But if I, the, the notes would be ten times longer if I did it every time. So, uh, so he's doing. He's uh, Leslie Nielsen's playing Father May I with the most natural accent I've heard since Lana in the WWE. Um, I'm not sure what, uh, you know, nationality is, but it's pretty funny. Um, he's there to get Nancy, who's played by, uh, not, well, not at this point, uh, a young girl who's possessed, you know, he gets her, he gets the devil out of her, um, a whole bunch of, you know, pratfalls and stuff like that. And the devil says that, uh, she'll be back. And he's like, Ooh, like, no, like that can't happen. Cut to the opening credits. Wait. Before we what? go, I have a question. Yes. Was that a bad dye job or was that a bad wig that Leslie Nielsen had on? I couldn't tell. Right. I think it was a badly dyed wig. Right. There you go. All right. <laughs> Let's split the middle, right? Um, so we cut to the credits, which is a uh, salsa-themed horror song, I guess. Re, 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 possessed. Yeah, right. Right. The, the thing that popped for me here was that Linda Blair got top billing. Of course. Which I honestly think was the only way she would do the movie. I, I don't know, just because, you know, I'm not saying Leslie Nielsen's a bigger star, but that was his shtick. Those movies were his shtick. So I was actually kind of like, all joking aside, surprised to see uh, her get top billing. That was really cool. So, you know, the, the song goes on. I, the song is very catchy, I will admit. So then we cut to stock footage 17 years later at the University of California at Chicago, which I'm pretty sure I know a few people who, you know, from Chicago who went to that college. But uh, we cut and it to says, the, And it actually says stock footage. Yes, that's – yes, that's – I forgot to say stock – it says which, – which made me crack up. So there's a uh, – there's a class there called Miracles 101 being taught by Leslie Nielsen, Father May I, and he's, you know, t- talking about religion and stuff like that. And in the front row, there's this hot chick who is getting, I th- <laughs> who's being very inspired by Leslie Nielsen. She's trying to tempt the good reverend. 
Right. So she's there and she's like playing with her with her dress and her stockings and, uh, you know, kind of like the dress is riding up and everything. And Les- Leslie Nielsen's like, pull down your dress. She's like, OK. And just bam, the tits come out. Right. He's like, pull it up, pull it up. And I'm like, I think I know what we're getting uh, from here on out. So uh, so basically he starts telling a story of how. You know, like the, the the past story, he saved Nancy and like what came later, his story of like, you know, the rise and fall of, you know, his life and everything. And we cut to Nancy, who's married with two lovely kids um, in, an, in a neighborhood with lots of Caucasians. And the um, kids haven't gone to acting school yet. Right. There's a <laughs> moment where he's like, they, they say something. And he's like, the kids were nice, but they haven't gone to acting school. So, uh. You know, we cut to Linda Blair, who's the mother. Now she's grown up Nancy. Uh, and she's making, oh my God, Joe, she's making split pea soup for everybody for dinner. And well, and, she, she gives you the buildup. She's making this and she's making this <laughs> dramatic pause and split pea soup. And like almost like it's a freeze frame on her, like with a three Mississippi. If you're yep. not really, ha- if you're not ready to hammer home the joke just yet. Yeah, at least, and this movie is a very subtle movie. Oh all my goodness! That's like the only scene where they do that. No, um, but uh, we, you know, that we we meet the father and the kids, and the father I really like. I don't know who he is, but I know him from somewhere. He has a very familiar voice. Yes, and I checked his IMDb, and I, I mean, I've seen a lot. Like he has a lot of one, two off episodes of shows over the course of his career. But like, I'm like, I know, know this. The biggest thing that that I might remember him from is he. They say he was in Stooge Mania, which I saw years ago. But I don't know. The father I like because his comedic timing throughout this movie is fantastic. Um, for such a a, a small. A small part. And they're talking about, we find out that their, the last name is Aglet because he, uh, that's the part of the, uh, the thing on the end of a shoelace. And his family years ago put that on, uh, used to put those on. And that's where you get a lot of names from your families, like carpenters would be carpenters and bakers would bake bread. And the one kid's, well, what did John Hancock do? And I'm like, Oh goody! This these jokes are right in Todd's wheelhouse. So we cut to them like watching TV, and we get to the uh, Ernest and Fanny show. It's like one of those. Uh, who is it? Uh, Faye Baker and uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Yes, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. That's who they're a knockoff, and uh, they have a little poodle or a dog or whatever called Fufu. Hi, Fufu. <laughs> right, so. That becomes like a running thing. It's Ned Beatty, and I'm not sure who Fanny is, but Fanny looks a lot like Tammy Faye Baker, and they they work uh, really hard on that. So I like that they're in the in the crowd and they're doing like these jokes with like people holding holding up signs like John three eleven, and somebody holds up the Lakers score, <laughs> and like you know like an airplane movie. So, uh, at this point, we established that Fufu really hates Ned Beatty's character, Ernest, because it's always, like, snapping at him, and uh, he yells at it, he's like, you little shit, <gasps> zoo. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're all like, oh. Um, so, they're watching the TV, and they want to change the channel because uh, Nancy and her family, the kids hate it. So she gets up and changes it herself. And while this is happening, something comes out of the TV and she gets 
possess Joe, or maybe another word uh, that comes later in the movie. Um, so she ends up uh, like ha- like doing all these like she, her eyes change color, and at this point, Joe, uh, Linda Blair. I didn't know the lovely facial expressions I was going to get from Linda Blair all through this movie, but it starts here. She is just like like her like rubber face like. Over the top. Everything Linda Blair does in this movie is fantastic because people forget, uh, like, she is actually an amazing actress. And her doing comedy is, like, is a weird thing. But uh, I was having a blast with everything she does, like the facial expression. And I for- forgot when I looked up her IMDb that I remember she was in The Exorcist 1 and 2. Oh. But she was, she was also in Night Patrol. Do you remember Night Patrol? Uh, well, I was going to say, in between... Uh, uh, Exorcist in this, she was in a, um, what would be like pre Skinamax Skinamax films. Right, like ca- Cage Heat or something like that. Chained Heat. Ch- and Chained Red Heat. heat and right. Savage Island and like shit like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Night Patrol was the one with the unknown comic, right? Yes. Right, so that's where I, I remember her being in, in that. So she ends up, the kids are arguing and everything, so she ends up, her head spins around, and she ends up spitting up the pea soup, Joe. It comes back, that, that, that beat that we had all those minutes ago. Right. There it is. The kids think it's, uh, it's PMS, <laughs> so. She goes running off and she starts writhing on the bed. Um, but in reality, it's just the, the vibrating mattress. So they have to, to turn it off. So she decides to, to go to, uh, the hospital to see what it's all about. And they get to the hospital and there's a gag where somebody is pulling in and they have the tire damage thing. And they're like, Oh, I forgot something at home or whatever. And they're like, he backs up and instead of like the tires exploding, um, like, you know, like they do when you get hit from behind too hard. Right. They end up just falling out of the sky and bouncing all around. So I was like, oh, sight gags too. So she ends up going, she goes past the handicap spots and there's all these like handicap, you know, shapes where they're parked. Like just ludicrous at this point. Gets to the elevator and there's a couple in there. There's a, a girl giving a guy a blowjob. <laughs> Linda Blair is like, getting off <laughs> i'm just like oh. i'm like all right this is pretty good the film so is meet- shameless todd oh just yes i'm i'm enjoying everything so far so we meet dr hackett who is the doctor from i don't know if you remember that he was on emergency all those years ago no do you remember emergency it was like, I, i'm aware of the show emergency yes yes he was the do- he was the actual doctor on that show so i was laughing at that um uh, so he's helping out. And then at this point, they get a shitty wrestling reference in there that a guy had lost his arm, but he got a transplant by, a, uh, from a wrestler. So as he's walking away, the, 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 uh, it starts gouging his eyes and doing all these like res- funny little wrestling moves. I hope that's the last time we ever have an arrest, a wrestling moment in this movie, Joe. I hear you turn of the pages over there. <laughs> yep. So the doctor asks what happened. She's like, this, that, um, uh, I threw up and a great question from the doctor, smooth or chunky, which is going to be my new go-to. And anybody tells me they, they throw up, they threw up. Now we're going to hit the joke that at this point I laughed the hardest at, and it may have tweeted it out as we were going. He's like, it's probably the flu. 
I've had a couple of cases come in recently, right? Right. <laughs> and in the background, there's a guy walking with two boxes, what big white boxes that just say flew on them. And I'm like, I, like th- that was one I had to pause the the movie because I was I was crying. I'm like, yep, this is this is totally Todd's wheelhouse right here. So she gets to, uh, looked over by all the doctors. Now and we know. In, I, hang on, I have to uh, interrupt you here because okay, I'm not sorry. sure if it was before the case of flu or after the case of flu. Did you see the one gurney that they pushed through? No. So they push a gurney, because again, this movie, it uses its 80s, 80 minutes very economically. You know, we move this story along. Not a wasted second. We're going to hit you with as many jokes. So they're pushing a gurney through, and you see the feet come in first. Mm-hmm. And as they push it through, it's another set of feet on both ends. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I will admit, this this movie has, like, rapid-fire jokes. Mm-hmm. Like, if I hit every joke... Uh, there would be so many, like, so many things. We'd be here so forever. She, what? We'd be here forever. So she gets uh, the, the diagnosed by the doctors. We know they're all doctors because they all have uh, facial hair and, and lab coats on. Even the women have, like, goatees and stuff. So they figure out that they can't figure out what it is. So uh, she decides to leave the hospital, and she's thinking, like, how could this have happened to me? God, I prayed, blah, blah, blah. So she's like, send me a sign, and she gets a sign at Our Lady of the Evening Church, which has an express lane for eight sins or less, by the way, Joe. So, and like, there's like gags going on here. She needs a sign, and like a blind guy gets hit by a car, but you know. Well, okay, the- I just want, I just want to say one thing about, uh, as you said, the gags, right? Mm-hmm. People are coming into the church. One of the gags is supposed to be Ollie North coming in, right? Right. Yes. Oliver North, uh, you know, big deal. Like, so it's a gag like that, and there's a bunch of other gags in this movie where you can pinpoint the the week that this script was written. Yes. And it's funny, I'm gonna go off on a side tan here. The when this script was written, I was working probably at uh, a book uh bindery. Uh, because Ollie North was big back then. I remember having tons of security because he was writing his memoirs. Right. Oh, oh my God. And like, they were like going through your lunch bag as you were leaving everything. So like Ollie North is like ingrained in my mind. And the guy actually did a, a pretty good impersonation. Um, anyway. Right. Perfect. Like he did Jay Moore quality Ollie North right there, Joe. So we, she sits down for the sermon, and this is when we meet Luke Brophy, who's a dedicated priest, but a terrible priest. <laughs> like, um, I think even uh, they cut to because they keep cutting back and forth to to Leslie Nielsen's character as he's telling the story uh, in the in the classroom, which at one point just stops, and I forget where. But we cut back a lot, and then about halfway through the movie, it that just completely stops happening. Um, I guess they had to get Leslie Nielsen peppered throughout the movie until his character shows up in the backstory. I, I have a lot of theories on that and some other stuff in the movie, but go ahead. All right. 
So uh, there's like a good joke where he's talking about how he met Luke years ago and Leslie Nielsen, that is pronoun spell. And uh, he's like, oh, like I had dinner with him and he's doing the cup of Christ thing. And he's like, that's where I even remember his mother always told him to wipe the rim. <laughs> like, oh, God. Um, so they they're doing the collection plates. And, and, uh, people are putting their stuff in like poker chips, which if I had known poker chips were good in church, I'd still be going. But, uh, it, she ends up putting a note in it for, with, uh, with Father, uh, Brophy's name on it, with your name on it. Cause when, uh, <laughs> when the sister brothers, when sister brothers shows up. Right. <laughs> to Brophy's room. And that's another great thing where like they have the fathers. But they, they, okay, so. As, and again, say what you will about this movie. We'll re- reserve final judgment for the end here. But right. so they're passing the collection plate around, like Todd mentioned. And there's a thing that give you change off it as well. <laughs> yeah, like you're an ice cream vendor for right, your belt. Right. So the way the the shot is shot when uh, Linda Blair's character, and again, it's Linda Blair. She right. puts the note in. The collection plate, but it's shot in such a way that you could see there's something written on the note, but you can't see what it is. Yep. Because there has to be that reveal in the next scene where Sister sister Brothers comes in and says, <laughs> oh, here's this note. It was in the collection plate with your name on it. Gives it to Father Brophy, who frames himself perfectly in the center of the screen, and then opens up the note in a completely awkward way that no one would open a note, so that right. you could clearly see that it just says, your name on the note. I'm, I'm, I'm like, and I'm, I'm like, not- this is brilliant. This is, this is a way smarter comedy than I give it credit for, but hang on. Right, so at, at this point, um, I'm just going to say, like, we will call Leslie Nielsen, Leslie Nielsen, we'll call Linda Blair, Linda Blair, but, like, he's brophy to me, because I don't know anything else about him, you know what I mean? I don't even know his real well, name. Well, again, his character name is Luke, and we'll get into some other stuff with that as well. Yep, yeah, it's, I'm, listen to my notes, it's in there, Joe, it's like Prego, right? <laughs> So he pulls the uh, and sister sister brothers like I said with all that uh uh you know a lot of that like with names and stuff like that is really fun. So we find out that Father Luke has his doubts like he's he's doubting himself, but uh, he ends up calling Linda Blair because he, she left her number and she invites you know Brophy over. And do you remember her her address, Joe? Uh, isn't it something like Sex Drive or something? Yes, it's 733 Sex Drive. Right, I couldn't remember the numbers, but I knew it was Sex Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets to the house. Wait! And, what? The gag with the phone. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed the gag with the phone. So There's a lot of gags. He, he calls. They do the split screen. They do a split screen. We cut back to the one-in-one shot of them. Then we cut back to the split screen. Father Brophy's like, I'm on my way over. He leaves, but he doesn't hang up the phone. Linda Blair reaches through the split screen to hang up the phone for him. I'm like, this movie is so goddamn good. Right. Is it good, Joe? I couldn't tell. So we're, we're, we cut to the house. Brophy comes in. Um, uh, Linda Blair's husband is there, and they're playing Ouija, even though it's not called that. It's the spirit board. It's the and... non-licensed union, non-union equivalent of uh, Ouija <laughs> yes. board. El, El Spielbergo version of yes. the Ouija board, right? <laughs> so he's like, uh, well, what, what should we ask it, Dad? And he's like, I have a great question. Uh, 
Right now, this is the second big joke that I popped at, Joe. Oh my god! Like I lost it. So he's like, "I got a question I always wanted to ask: Will Ted Kennedy ever become president?" And the like the the thing that you slide around on the Ouija board goes shooting off, bouncing off every wall, right? So it ends up hitting this like uh, Model T on a on a on a mantle, and it starts rolling, and it rolls to the end of the mantle, flips over into the fish aquarium upside down and just sinks, slowly sinks into it. And they cut to the father. And this guy fucking sells it, Joe. It's like, oh, 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 I guess that answers that. Like, and I'm like, oh, a, ch- a joke. Like, and I'm going to say a great Chappaquiddick. Yes. Like, holy shit. So I... Like I said, that right there, that sealed the deal for me with Linda Blair's husband in this movie as, uh, you know, just fantastic. So Linda Blair comes in. She's like, can I talk to you, Brophy, you know, alone? Um, you know, they go back and forth about what happens, uh, what, what had happened. She doesn't believe him. She goes and gets some proof. Which turns out to be, uh, what was it, like a certificate for the debating team? And he's like, she's like, no, no, I got something else. She pulls it out of the drawer and it was like her, uh, exorcism certificate. Right, signed so by like, the Pope. Signed by the Pope, yes. Uh, who makes an appearance, I think, in this movie. He makes um, a couple appearances. Yes. So, she starts exhibiting signs of the, 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 the uh, possession. the devil in her. What? Of possession. Possession. Um, and throws him down on the bed and starts like grinding on him. They come running in and it's like, dad, dad, uh, mom's humping the priest. Right. So they end up tying, uh, uh, Linda Blair to the bed, a la the exorcist. And, now, uh, I want, I just want to interrupt here. We I'm sorry. At this know? point, 22 minutes into this 80 minute movie. Mm hmm. So we have another hour left to go. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> oh, this movie. I kept looking at. It, I'm like, I can't believe there's more story to this. Yeah, and I don't mean that in a bad way. You're like, like later on when you get to the TV show and shit. Like you're like, there's still like 28 minutes of this movie. <laughs> like, how are they gonna pack? And when you get to that last 28 minutes, boy, boy, howdy, right? So, so this is like. uh uh, we cut to like her and she's got the full makeup now. Um, and at this point I can't help thinking about how Linda Blair looks like late eighties, early nineties, Alice Cooper at this point with all that makeup on, even though it's green and like crusty, she looks a lot like Alice Cooper. Uh, so she ends up like, you know, like doing her possessed shtick and she ends up, uh, I forget how the joke goes because I didn't put it in the notes, but she ends up spitting like she's like, I swallowed the last guy who tried to, you know, help me. And she ends up spitting up a miniature version of Leslie Nielsen's head. And they like cut to Leslie Nielsen. He's like, I never thought that looked like me. <laughs> because I think it looks more like Phil Donahue. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, I'm trying to think now what I have here. Uh, so he asked him, Brophy asked her to do something like supernatural-ish. And she ends up doing like Kane's post-fire gimmick on the bed. <laughs> like fire shooting up. And then she ends up making, she's like, you know, want me to do something else? I'll make the film break. And Joe, do you remember when you go to a movie and they had actual film? Oh in the, my in goodness. The 
<laughs> so they do the whole like you know effect where the, the the film gets burned by the bulb and and rips and everything, and they cut back to Leslie Nielsen in front of the podium that he's been telling the story in class, but he's not dressed as Father uh, May I anymore. He's just dressed as actor Leslie Nielsen, <laughs> and he's on like a phone, and he's like, yeah, 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 like uh, I'll come over. No, no, it'll be good. Uh, yeah, no, no, we'll use the whole chicken instead of just a feather. Oh, my God. To me, that's line of the movie. <laughs> right? Go ahead. Right, that, him saying, no, 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 we'll use the whole chicken, not just the feathers. That's line of the movie for me. Oh, I thought you said I had you had something to say about that line. You said best line in the movie? Best line of the movie. Home run. I'll, I'll have to see. There might be one or two as we as we go. Okay. As we go further. So he, like, ducks out of the, out of the you know, the picture uh which just makes me like that that just makes me laugh uh so at this point like you know he uh brophy doesn't know what to do so he decides to set off and get uh father may i leslie nielsen's character um so he goes to the you know the 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 home that he's at for ex you know exorcism priests and washed up actors or something like that so he goes to his room and at this point, like, I had to pause it because it's the little shit like this that makes me laugh is so uh, Brophy's going to ring the doorbell to his room. And when he rings it, it's a knock, it's a knock, which is a great gag. But did you read the sign on the door, what it says? Well, like, you missed like three gags. I'm just I'm rocketing through stuff at times. Okay. What gags did I miss? The party line? OK, you missed the party line and you missed the guy instead of selling maps to stars homes. He's selling <laughs> maps to former exorcists homes. OK, you can but, stop me at any time you want right. to hear it. But... The, the, the party line gag, though, for me, it's because <laughs> the guy who's playing Father Luke is trying to be as nonchalant because he's the one who has to work the special effect of the streamer coming out of the phone. <laughs> And he's trying to be as nonchalant and, like, hit it, but not notice that he's hitting it. And I was like, couldn't got a better take on that one? All right, fair enough. <laughs> See, my thing is, like, these were the jokes that didn't – the the party line joke and the maps to the to, – to me, they, they weren't – they weren't – like, I'm hitting the A material. Okay, okay, you know okay. I mean? And I'm like, eh, like, I, I, I watch it. I'm like, these were funny. But they didn't, like, they're still in my memory because I know what's here. The party but, line gag wasn't funny, but it was the fact that the guy had to work the special effect himself. Right. Which is so low rent. Right. So, like, to me, what, like, made me think was, like, when he goes to the room and he gets there and he, the thing, the, the, the marker on the door doesn't say, like, Father May I or whatever. It says, scene 42, uh, May I's interior. It's like the, it would be like what's in the script. Right, it's the explanation of the scene is on the door, and I was like, as stupid as that is, like that doesn't seem funny as I'm saying. I found that hysterical for some reason. I don't know, right? So, um, so they go in. He's talking. Uh, Brophy talks to May I, and he's talking or Leslie Nielsen, and he's talking about like Nancy Aglet, but he doesn't remember that name. Because, you know, Nancy had a, I forget what the name was. He mentions it. But, uh, he's like, oh, like, what's, what's happened to her? And this is the moment where we've been saying possessed, Joe. Right. It's where, like, and you talk about the, the three Mississippis on the pea soup back in the early scenes where Brophy's like, I think Nancy has been, and they hit the, they hit like the organ, uh, and they cut to Brophy and they cut to Leslie and they cut back to Brophy and it's like, 
like repossessed. And then it's like a close up on Leslie Nielsen's face, but they do the effect. So it's like he gets hit with the camera and his like face smushes. <laughs> they pull the camera back and it's like Leslie Nielsen's like looking off like he's looking at Brophy. And then he just kind of like looks knowingly into the camera like, what the fuck? Which to me, like, like, the, like another just like, uh, fantastic gag. You know what I mean? Like, when they give you the we know what's happening kind of a thing, I don't know. It makes it even funnier. But then, uh, Leslie Nielsen's like, are you sure she's, she's possessed? Like, he's like, yeah, she's like, her voice is all like gravelly. She's having these like uh, ticks and, 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 you know, uh, seizures and everything. And she's like, are you, are you sure it's not just Joe Cocker? And I'm like, just ridiculous, um, stuff. Uh, and, and Leslie Nielsen's like, he's, he's, I've got a weak heart. I'm, t- I can't do it. Um, you're going to have to do it. And then this, this is where all the Luke Star Wars gags start coming in. Right. Now, I want to mention this. This movie was filmed, I would say, in 1989 for release in 1990. Mm-hmm. Star Wars was not the cultural phenomenon that it would become, like, seven years later or is today. I... So for them to be hitting Star Wars as hard as they do in this movie, like, I get if you want to make a passing reference of, like, Luke, I am your father, there's your one bit. But they hit Star Wars with the, with the father Luke, like, seven times. Mm-hmm. Which is, which I'm like, I think was, like, amazing forethought on the filmmakers, or laziness, amazing forethought on the filmmakers to be that ahead of the curve on the cultural impact that Star Wars would have. See, I kind of disagree on that. I think Star Wars had that iconic by the 90s. Like you, you had the you had 77, 80, 83, the toys just the juggernaut that it was, how but long it, it was in that's theaters. The thing, though, it, it, it you're rem- like you're remembering it with I I would say rose colored glasses because in eighty eight eighty nine like th- Star Wars was out man like there wasn't no- toys there wasn't like new things being made for it they weren't doing like re releases of, of it or anything like that right what was the rating on this movie uh I think PG thirteen okay because I was gonna say I was like it's it wasn't R right no. There was a lot of, you know, like, boobies and stuff in this. I see boobies. Uh, just, but... like, two shots. Three, maybe. Right. Like, but... two sets of boobs and a butt. Right. I thought maybe it was uh, R-rated. Because I'm looking at it as, you know, at this point, you know, at seven years later, like, people who are 20, 18, like, they were the kids that got all the merchandise from Star Wars toys. You, you know what I'm trying to say? Right. So I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to, you know, argue over uh, Star Wars uh, stuff. But like we said, uh, Leslie Nielsen says he's too too tired, too old. His heart hurts. He can't he can't do it. So Luke goes to the exorcism council. Um, I guess the wool council, you know, that's not who you go to. Um, so while he's waiting outside uh to go into the council he turns to the good book and he cut they cut to a bible vending machine right which 
I just think is a good joke. Um, so he goes in and there's four, uh, priests there and they are fathers Crosby, father Stills, fathers Natch and father Young. So, and, and father Young is, he shakes all their hands and, but since father Young is black, he has to do the, what would you call it? The, uh, the, the sophisticated handshake, the worker handshake. No, that's not the worker handshake. That's like, you know, that's like the good brother handshake. Right. Um, so Brophy then decides to, let's well, for some reason, raps about uh, right. Father so Mayock. After Wait. he does the jive handshake with the black priest, we cut to a scene back at the classroom where Leslie Nielsen is giving the speech to, to the class, but instead it's Father Luke doing a rap about Leslie Nielsen, and then it just we just cut right back to the scene that we were in before. Yeah, it real that's one of those scenes that really doesn't make any sense in this completely logical movie. Right, just like the one. That's the one. That's that's the one. That's when uh Ernest and Fanny show up uh to the uh exorcism council. Yes. And and they're like, you know, and as long and Fanny's like, as long as everybody remembers foo foo, and they cut to the audience that was at Ernest and Fanny's show and they just yell out, Hi, foo foo. So I thought that was uh uh, a thing. So he's going, Brophy's going to explain the plight of it going on. And we get the uh, montage salsa theme of uh, the repossessed song again, which I think is a great time to just throw that in again. The re, 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 repossessed. Um, so it, like, you know, he does his PowerPoint thing before PowerPoint. And when it's over, like one of the priests is like, do you have anything else to add? And he's like, Oh yeah. Um, Linda Blair also gave me a little head and they're all like, what? <gasps> and she ends up holding the Phil Donahue lookalike head. That <laughs> was like, I was like, all right, a good little, you know, callback. So, um, Ernest or Ed Ned Beatty just believes that they should televise the exorcism. And, you know, that would be great for the church. Like he has all these like ideas about it. Um, so he, they're going to do it. And they cut to the limo driving into Beverly Hills. And there's a sign. I, we know it's Beverly Hills by the sign that says population 83,000 whatever elevation above everyone else. So, like I said, I like that gag. Turn the page, Joe. Um, oh, my goodness. So <laughs> we find out that Ned Beatty's character is needs money because of a scandal that he had with the with the Tabernacle Choir. Um, and he, his whole thing was that the show will, the network will get all the money to, what is it? All the the money from the ads, but he'll get all the like donations on the phone. So he's thinking about this while he's in the car. And this is when, uh, Fufu's in the car. Hi, Fufu. And he ends up getting the ball and, and Fanny's distracted. So he ends up throwing the throwing the ball into a nearby wood chipper and the dog jumps out of the car and into the, uh, uh, thing and dies. so that we lose Fufu early in the movie. Uh, but then, like I said, I have this a little bit mixed up as I'm looking at my notes that Ernest pitches it to the network. Uh, it's going to be a ratings. It's going to be a ratings bonanza, Joe. And they cut to the, to the, (laughs) to the picture of uh, Ernest and Fufu, like, exorcism special, and it starts burning, and they have the cheap Bonanza knockoff theme. Because <laughs> I'm not 100% sure it was uh, 
the original Bonanza theme. But, and I saw that you posted the picture to the network lineup, which was all the new versions of old shows. Yes. (laughs) Which is a gag. It is a great gag. Um, and it's not too far off, like with Roseanne and, you know, all the, the, like, uh, Will and Grace, all the shows coming back. So once again, like the Star Wars curve, Repossessed was way ahead of its time. Um, so, uh, let's see here. I'm looking at my, uh, my notes. I'm all confused at this point. What happens in the movie here, Joe? Okay, so they uh, go to Nancy's home to bring her to the studio, and it's at this point where Leslie Nielsen goes to the gym to get in shape for the upcoming exorcism. Right, and also the the you're right. I this, and we also find that once uh, Linda Blair's character finds out that it's going to be televised, she looks greatly pleased, mm-hmm. um, which is a plot point, Joe. So uh, uh, Leslie Nielsen goes. He realizes that the devil really wants him, so he's going to go to Bods R Us. And who was the personal trainer? Uh, he was the guy. Uh, his name's Jake Steinfeld. He did a whole like uh, body. He was body by Jake. Okay, because I recognized him, but I didn't do my due diligence and go ch- and check with us. I check with who it was, but I remember him from lots of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, right? I think he may have even had like a syndicated like sitcom about himself. I think so. I think so. And I know he made like a ton of TV show appearances at the time. So we're in Bods R Us, um, and we have we have we have uh, a gay character running around who is in no way a, stipica- a, a stereotypical gay person in 1990, Joe. Oh, <laughs> so boy. I was like, oh boy. Um, so you know, and he gives them he gives uh, the the trainer gives uh, Leslie Nielsen a heart monitor that goes on his wrist, so we can find out all the all the stress that his heart is having while he we find out that he's at this female gym or mostly a female gym, um because we see like a, a women's locker room and the door opens up and it's it's got a you know a half naked lady in it again, Joe. So much nakedness. Um Okay, I just need to cut in here for a second. Yeah. Uh, so are. Jake Steinfeld, I said, I think he had a show. It was a show that was on for five years and has eighty episodes. Oh, so he did have a show. Yeah, he had like a successful show. Mm. Jesus Christ. Anyway. So uh Leslie Nielsen goes into the locker room to change, um, and he comes out and he's wearing a shirt that says Our Lady of the Blinding Vision, which says a bunch of stuff on the back, and I'm very upset because I don't think they ever did a good shot of what was on the back. No, there is one shot where you can kind of sort of make it out when they're running on the treadmill, Mm. but it's... Uh, it's like, it's an ad for a lawyer. It says like, uh, it says donated by motorcycle accident, accident. Uh, you didn't collect, you didn't pay call 1-800 law hyphen yours. And then like 
there's like a part that's like you can't really make out what it says, but it's a it's a lawyer ad on the back of the sweatshirt. Right. At, at one point, I was like, I'm not trying to figure this right, out. Right. I think they did a poor job. That's one of the the the, the shitty points of this movie is they they like they set that joke up, and that to me that never really hits well because like if you were watching that in the theater, like you're never gonna catch it, and like even on VHS, it would be all blurry when you paused. It. Right. So, but uh, we find out that. Uh, that uh, Leslie Nielsen's blind without his glasses, which I find funny because didn't he play Mr. Magoo too at some point? Uh, yes, he would go on to later play Mr. Magoo. Correct. Right. I think his greatest role was Mr. Magoo. But uh, we get a we get a training montage. Uh, this film has a lot of montages in it, Joe. So and while this is going on, there's a gag with a girl on a arm machine for like at, at the at the gym and every time she's working out her, her breasts are getting bigger and bigger. So, and they keep cutting back to her, uh, during, uh, the montage. Well, at this point, Brophy shows up, um, father Brophy and tells, uh, Leslie Nielsen about the show. Leslie Nielsen isn't happy. We cut to a gag where Brophy and Leslie Nielsen are on stationary bikes <laughs> talking about it. And there's a kid next to them dressed as a paper boy with the bag. And he's training, riding the bike, whipping papers as he's doing it, which I find funny. And then uh, Leslie Nielsen's uh, stationary bike takes off while they're talking. And the kid hits Brophy in the head with uh, with the, one of the newspapers that he throws. Um, and as the montages, they keep cutting in and out of the montage as it goes on, like father Brophy just keeps getting hurt more and more. Like he's got like a bandage around his head during one thing. And he's got like a neck, neck brace on other. Cause all these, you know, gags keep happening to him. Um, at one point, you know, uh, he, he Leslie Nielsen's getting upset and his you know beepers going off because of his heart. And he's like, I'm just, I, you got me all upset. I'm going to go change. And uh, you got me so upset that I lost my glasses. So he goes up in the women's locker room and there's naked women in the shower with that realistic steam that they were using. Right. Just smoke like a smoke machine coming out of the floor. Um, so he's like he comes out. and He's like, I think you have a strange person in here. He's telling body by Jake. Somebody stole all my clothes and they filled like they left all these panties in my in my locker and he's like i think the problem the guy with the problem is you uh and at this point the girl who's working her arms with the big breasts and they keep getting better uh, we hear them pop off camera so that's the conclusion of uh that gag uh so now we have the Ernest and fanny exorcism tonight show is is happening and we cut to that red carpet and there's like an announcer there and like, you know, the big, the big star studded event. And I think there's a star coming now and it's a limo shows up, but the way they have the camera locked off, you can't see who's getting out of the, out of the, the limo because of all the people like on the red carpet. And he's like, it's Sean Penn. And then you just see like people getting like, you hear like punches and people flying. <laughs> Which reminded me that, like, I completely forgot that, like, Sean Penn was, like, a violent, you know, like, person all those years ago. You just, like, punch photographers and stuff like that. Um, so then uh, Ned Beatty and Fanny show up. She has a cat now named Kit Kat Joe. And they do the whole gag again. Like, hello, Kit Kat. Um, 
Ernest tells the like, you know, do you have any like things you want to talk to the crowd about the announcers? Is like, yes. I tells the crowd go home and tune in tonight to like the big show. And there's just a great like slightly speeded up shot of all the people in the crowd just leaving to go home <laughs> to watch uh, the show. So they cut to. Uh, Ned Beatty and Fanny's dressing room and Fanny's like I want to change this ensemble so she goes over to this door <laughs> opens up the door and she's like holding Kit Kat the cat and in there there's not like dresses or ensembles there's just all these pets hanging from racks that she does so she ends up she takes a dog out this time doesn't she she I takes like that. a different like a chihuahua looking dog and right. i just want to Le- say i i don't think Peter was involved in the uh making of this film what i think i looked in the credits and Peter was there uh-huh. no animals were harmed in the filming of this show um so like and at this point Ernest is Ned Bay's character is like we have nothing to worry about uh, Linda isn't possessed she's faking it so at this point he thinks this is all a gag and he just needs the money to get out of his his troubles so he has no idea what's really going to happen and she says that's fine Fanny says as long as I can sing my number and Ned Beatty's character looks so excited to hear that Fanny's gonna sing. Like Ned Beatty sells, it, he's like, "Oh shit!" kind of, kind of a thing. So, uh, and now Brophy shows up at the studio because he's going to, you know, do the exorcism. And there's a great gag when he gets there that there's just a guy leaf blowing homeless people across the red carpet, um, a la like the Simpsons when they go to the one town and the what was it the the, the homeless person's like, this is so nice here. Homeless person turns into a mailbox kind of a thing. Yes. Um, so we cut to the inside of it and like they have the crowd and the crowd's just sitting on their, on the bleachers ready for the show, throwing beach balls around. Now, Joe, here's another joke that I had to pause it because I, I, I cracked up. The show is starting, so they have a stagehand like walking around and he's like, oh, almost time for the show to start. So he walks over. And there's a wall full of puke pool cues. <laughs> he grabs the pool cue and he's like, and there's like an announcer standing in front of like a microphone. He's just kind of like, you know, looking like with his eyes shut or whatever. And the stage ham's like, cue the announcer. And he pokes the announcer with the cue. I don't know, but this made me crack up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that gag. <laughs> right, because there was no like way. Um, So we cut like to... Father, uh, Leslie Nielsen's character, he's watching at home. Uh, Linda Blair's family's in the crowd. Father Crosby, Father Stills, Father Nash, Father Young's in the crowd. Um, I try, people in the front row are like putting on seatbelts. Uh, so like Ned Beatty comes out and he's like trying to exercise Nancy, you know, uh, he's on stage, like just doing like ridiculous, like ridiculous, like, out of the body, whatever, like bullshit. The donations are pouring in. Um, Jack Lane shows up and he starts exercising. Joe, right. Which I thought was a good, like it took me a minute on that one. <laughs> it's like, I was like, I don't know if they were going for the exercise joke, but that's the way I'm taking it. Uh, at this point, Ned Beatty's like having his stage hands do like making the bed move. So it looks like she's doing supernatural stuff. And even she's like confused because like, she's actually the devil, but he's got this whole thing. Like it, it's fake. So I have to keep, 
you know, doing stuff. So like in the crowd, people are doing the wave. Um, at this point, uh, like an animal expert comes out with a, with a basket with a snake in it and shitty Ned Beatty like flips, uh, pushes, uh, Fanny's dog into the basket with the snake and it starts like it's eating the snake. Um, so I, I found that funny. I like the way like they just make Ned Beatty's character like just shitty, especially with the uh, with the uh, animals. And at this point, there's a guy who shows up to do a cameo, and he's talking to the devil, and he's like, "Oh, did you wear you know? Did you possess a girl just because you want to wear dresses?" I don't know if that's really somebody or not. Okay, it is someone. Uh, it is a, I guess, radio and TV personality by the name of Wally George. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like a bunch of, like, he was a guy who was in a bunch of, um, cameo sort of things, um, you know, during like the early 80s, late 80s into the 90s. His daughter is Rebecca De Mornay. Oh, from Risky Business? From from Risky Business, baby, with the Risky Business glasses. But mm-hmm. he was, like, uh, a conservative talk show host. Okay. But he was kind of, like, playing it up a little bit. But he was, like, big in L.A. Right, so I have no, like... Right, you're, I, you're okay not recognizing who he was. Right, but I also knew he was somebody. I like I have like a weird memory of the guy, but not knowing who he was. Right, and I wasn't going to do research for this. But uh, good. At this point, like uh, you know, the stagehands now are instead of fa- are faking like the wind blowing, like like Linda Blair's, you know, using her powers. But you know, so then Fanny decides it's her big number, and she sings this shitty number. Which makes me laugh. And I, I like, cause they keep cutting to like the, the donations pouring in. At this point, it's like at $14 million and the song's over and they just cut to Ned Bate and he looks up at the, at the, the, the donation counter and it just drops from like 14 millions to 7 million. He's like, Oh God. Like I said, I, I, I like that little joke. At this point, um, uh, Ned Beatty gets handed a note, doesn't have your name on it, though. And he's like, okay, great announcement. Goes out, we have the largest uh, audience in the history of television. And Linda, like, you know, looks very happy uh, about that. And now she starts using her real uh, uh, powers and starts freaking everybody out because, like, Ned, Ned Beatty's, like, telling the stagehands, like, to cool it. And they're like, that's not us. That's her. Like, she's spitting fire with great effects, by the way. Fantastic effects of the, the spit and fire. So the crowd starts running away. Uh, you, they cut to, like, feet running down the steps of the the uh, the bleachers. And they cut to one with the shoe untied, and it just stops, ties his shoe, and then runs off, and the rest of the crowd runs behind him. Now, another joke that I was totally happy with, that there's one of those in-case-of-emergency break glass things. And inside is actually like a champagne glass. So the guy's like, just grabs it and smashes the glass. And I was like, yep. Um, and that turns on the sprinkler system. And the sprinkler system was like just a sprinkler on the floor, spinning around off a hose, shooting water. And like a bunch of kids come like dancing through it. I'm like, oh, God. Um, so at this point, Linda Blair's like, 
She's she knows she's got the audience that she wants, and she tells Ned Beatty and Fanny that we're so much alike that we both use people and we dump them when we're done. And now I'm done with you because I'm no you're no longer useful. What should I do with a couple of jackasses like you? And she ends up jackass. That's perfect. She ends up. I'm not sure in this movie. I like to think that. She, that she didn't, she turns him into a jackass or puts him in a jackass, uh, like costume. Right. I like to think that she didn't curse them into being a jackass, that she sewed them permanently into a jackass costume that now they have to live like that forever. I don't know. Like That's human the, centipede style, perhaps. Yes. In the costume, like a furry for life and a jackass outfit. Like they're falling over cause they can't walk together. That's the end of the end of Ned and Ned Beatty and Fanny. But that's the, the, what I like to think their, their fate is. Um, so now she, uh, Linda Blair is going to talk to the whole world cause she has it. She does a Barbara Walters 2020 joke, which I don't think Barbara Walters is on 2020 anymore. Um, Brophy at this point realizes what's going on and he gets in front of the camera and pleads for all men of God to wherever they are. If you can come to the studio, uh, please come to the studio and they cut to like rabbis and, and the Pope was the Pope eating grapes, I think, or something. <laughs> it's right. like, so like, you know, they show that he, he, he gets it. He gets the message out there. Brophy realizes that Linda Blair's using the, the TV somehow and decides to like cut the power or whatever. So the broadcast will stop. So Linda Blair takes off. He asks her where's, where she's going. She says going to Disneyland, like all those great Super Bowl commercials. Uh, Linda Blair steals a rocket golf cart and Brophy, uh, makes chase while this is going on. You know, this is another like weird montage of stuff. All the men of, uh, the holy men are coming. There's like a bus. The Pope mobile <laughs> shows up. There's like, like wise men on camels. Um, uh, uh, while Brophy's chasing him, I think the song is a sh- like a parody of the in excess the devil inside with like like funny words. I didn't get every uh, thing on it. So Linda Blair finds the big sat the transmitting satellite dish, and she's going to use that because uh, Brophy realizes that she was watching TV when she was possessed. That's what he, she's going to try to, I guess, possess the world. I'm not really sure on her plan, but that's, that's it. So she's going to use the dish, but Brophy's going to shut her down by luckily there's a giant switch to shut the, the dish off and it's a light switch, a giant light switch. Good visually, uh, uh, gag. Um, but as he's going on, he's like, before you do this, she, she stops him from hitting the switch by using devil magic. And Brophy's like, yeah, well, you could, you know, take over the world and everything, but you never beat Father May I. And she's like, you know, you've done all this, but the one man you never beat was him. And she ends up, you know, giving all these excuses like, you know, oh, like this and that and uh, what's going to happen. So she decides she she pleads for a rematch. And it's at this point the movie hits a slight snag, Joe. Okay. Because... Uh, who shows up but Jesse the Body and Mean Gene Okerlund? Um, 
she ends up challenging Leslie Nielsen through the TV, and they're like, it's the bell from hell versus the 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 dove from above. Uh, all uh, one soul, anything goes matchup, and like uh, Jesse's like, you know, Father May is a twenty five to one underdog. Uh, they cut to a training montage, another montage of Leslie Nielsen, like fighting a rubber chicken and like a punching bag. He's eating pea soup now. He's like a blender with all this stuff in it. He's putting all his holy stuff in a Rambo lunchbox. Um, he takes a taxi to the, vi- to the studio. Uh, there, there's a guy complaining about what kind of tip that he gives. Um, he shows up, meets Brophy. Brophy's like, you're here. I can't believe you're here. What about your heart? And there's a joke that I really like. Uh, Leslie Nielsen goes, don't worry about my heart. I brought it with me, <laughs> which is just like the stupidest thing in the whole world. Now, um, I just want to throw out to you listening listening at home and to, to remind Todd, there's still 20 more minutes left in the movie. <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, we've got me, Gene Okerlund. We have Jesse the Body Mentor. Holy men. I'm like, what the fuck are they going to do for 20 minutes? <laughs> like, what? I'm literally looking at the clock, like, because I have the little counter that I can cut down to. And you're right. I'm like, there's still, I, I even want to say there's like 27 minutes at this time. I'm like, oh, my God. So, like, the whole 25 to 1 underdog, uh, that's what Jesse says. But Gene is like, but his opponent is a woman. Nice tits, sure. But a face I wouldn't want to wipe my face feet on right ever hear of a paper bag mean gene (laughs) yes i'm like oh boy the sensitivity so like at this point brophy and leslie nielsen uh team up and they're like and leslie nielsen goes after after linda blair and he's like we have our faith we have our bibles and we have these little things if like these beauties if you get out and he holds up two louisville sluggers and jesse's like illegal foreign objects gene and gene's like what do you know about fairness? <laughs> like, and that's when they get like into like a, uh, a three stooges routine. They're like poking each other's eyes. And I'm like, Oh my God. Um, that's because, uh, and then like, may I, Leslie Nielsen's like, are you guys done? And he's like, would you please stop it? And I, at this point I thought that was going to be the end of me, Gene Okerlund <laughs> and Leslie Nielsen. Cause the joke had run its course, Joe. No nope. boy was I wrong, right? So uh, Linda Blair's like, you know what? I have something for you, Father May I? And she's doing the whole like, I'm going to vomit thing. And like a few beats longer, like everything is in this movie, like, uh, uh, uh. But remember earlier, Joe, during the workout montage from <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, he ate pea soup first and he pukes on her. And, you know, so he's like, how do you like it? And Jesse's like, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. There's nothing like it in wrestling. And thank God nobody ever in wrestling ever puked or anything like that. Because that would be. He's gotta, he's gotta, he's gotta puke. Right. So at this point, you know, Leslie Nielsen's getting ready with his holy stuff. And in the background, you can hear like, like quietly, not like the, the A sound, but like the B sound. Of Linda Blair, like, your mother sews socks that smell. And I'm like, all right, that's a good one. And then she's like, your father wears tight underwear, and I can't stand your mother. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? 
<laughs> um, but I found that uh, he che- funny, and so Leslie Nielsen chews her out, and uh, she says, "This is another great guy." This one actually caught me off guard. She's like, he like chews her out, like yells at her, and she's like, she asks, "Where does it say you can talk to me like that?" And he goes right here, and he holds up a script that says "repossessed" on the front, <laughs> and I'm like, just you know, deep, deep, deep humor. And uh, another joke that made me laugh way harder than I should have. Um, they cut to Linda Blair and she's like, now I'd like to do my impression of Don Adams. Where's the chief 99? And Leslie Nielsen sells the shit out of the next line when he says, do not get smart with me. <laughs> Joe, I, that, I was like, that might be the smartest joke in this whole movie. Oh my! In, in a joke, in a movie littered with smart jokes, right? And it, like, how old was that reference at that time? Um, like the, oh boy! But there may have been a reboot of Get Smart on Fox at that time. Like it might have been airing at the time. Yes. Right. Um. So he starts doing his like you know thing to uh, exorcism bit. And she turns like, and at this point, this is where they go from rapid fire stuff to rapid fire stuff. That's all fucking a material. The get smart joke, the, 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 the script joke. She turns into a giant ice cream cone. She's like, lick me, lick me, lick me. Right. And they cut to Jesse and he's like, Oh my God, the Kona lingus move. No, I just I just want to interject here real quick. At this point, Get Smart had been off the air for twenty years. The mm-hmm. revival would not be made for another five years. I think this is the movie that brought it back into the the consciousness of America. Joe. Again, ahead of the curve on Star Wars, ahead of the curve on Get Smart. And what was the other one? I forget. There's so much going on in this movie. <laughs> anyway. So she starts floating like above the bed and Jesse's like, what a levitation move. And, you know, Leslie Nielsen, like it's an illusion. And, uh, he has a pair of scissors. She's like, what are you doing? And she cuts, he cuts whatever's there and she falls into the bed and Jean's like an anti-gravity backdrop. I'm like, Jean and Jesse are still here. Jesse's yelling illegal. Right. So, um, at this point, uh, Leslie Nielsen's heart starts, you know, getting the best of him and he's like falling. You can hear the heartbeat getting louder. And Linda says she knows the secret about Father Brophy, that he's an underachiever, that he's a loser, that his SAT was under 400. So he only had two choices. Join the church or the U.S. Senate. Um, Leslie Nielsen just can't take it anymore. He tries to, 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 to to kill her, but she repels him by showing him a photo of his mother in bed with Manuel Noriega. That might have been I, one of my favorite, like, top five gags, like, out of nowhere. <laughs> right, and it's like this shot of Noriega, like, obviously photoshopped of him, like, in the, in the, 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 the general suit or whatever he's got, with his arm up in the air, like, hey, everybody, and it just, like, in the bed with, with, with the woman, which I like to actually think, it, like, Leslie Nielsen brought in a photo of his mother from them to photoshop in, which would be, uh, really funny, so, uh, 
Leslie Nielsen's character falls down clutching his heart and Gene's like a massive cardiac. And uh, so Brophy gets the defibrillator and he starts like doing it on him and has like three settings, the big shock, a bigger shock and holy shit were the three settings. Uh, so he ends up like coming, coming back, you know, like from the, the heart attack. And that's when, uh, <laughs> that's when Linda Blair starts using his magic, using her magic on. She turns him into a nun. He's like singing on a guitar, turns him into a rabbi, turns him into the Ayatollah of Iran. And Jesse's like, he even scares me. <laughs> turns him into a totally uh, racially sensitive Indian shaman, uh, Groucho Marx, a scrawny Rambo. And like, what the heck is with that? And then she turns him into a giant, like puffed up, like fake puffed up Rambo. And he's like doing the, he's doing the Jay Moore <laughs> impression. And while he's the big puffed up one, uh, she's like, cause she used her match. She's like, Hey, who needs steroids? <laughs> Which, um, Gene Okerlund says steroids aren't used in wrestling anymore. <laughs> and Jesse like really not like, or any less. And I'm like, <laughs> Now I know where your fucking joke comes from that you use all the time. <laughs> Anytime steroids comes up, you always go, steroids aren't used in wrestling anymore or any less. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> just so you know, anytime from now on, right. you, do, you do the line, steroids aren't used in wrestling anymore. I am I am stepping on you with or any less. All right, all right. <laughs> Just so you know. Um, uh, so like now at this point, you know, uh, Jesse's like Satan. You got him on the on the run. What are, what move are you going to use next? And she's like, I'm going to grab a, a wrestler by his neck, suck out his eyeballs, and spit them down his neck. And Gene's like, What did she say? And and, and Jesse's like, She's talking to you, me. <laughs> That was like that scene was legitimately funny. The only way it maybe could have been better if it was Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain. That's See, the only- now conversely, and again, we're almost at the end of the movie here. But I wish it was Vince and Jesse. Like okay. Gene was great. Like Gene is good. Like Gene getting to cut loose and say tits. You know, this was like in the middle, like 1989. WWE is like the the squeakiest, cleanest product in the world. You know, and here these two scumbags are in this movie doing mm-hmm. this. Like I'm sure if Vince read the script, he was probably making no holds barred at this point. Right. And I I, I can't. I don't remember them plugging that Jesse and Mean Gene were in this movie on World Wrestling Entertainment TV at the mm-hmm. time, and I can't imagine why. Right. <laughs> but any any combination of 80s WWF announcers would have been fantastic, but I think Gene and Jesse did a bang-up job. Right. So, I don't know, I think they should do a remake with Neck Tattoo and somebody else. <laughs> and and Bradshaw. Neck Tattoo and Bradshaw. Oh, my goodness. I'd watch that movie. Oh, that's something we should do sometime. We should uh, recast uh, this movie for a modern era. But uh, so while this, you know, that happens, uh, Leslie Nielsen is going to use holy water on her. He throws some holy water. She's like, you missed. 
And that's when water just falls out of the sky and it's Brophy. And he's like, I'll try it again. And he's like, does it again. And she's like, you missed me again. And water comes from off stage, like a, like camera left and hits Brophy again. And Leslie's like, I'll do it again. And he's like, and this is like one of, this is like one of those Looney Tunes bits where Brophy like grabs his hand. He's like, I think I'm starting to sense a pattern here. And I'm like, all right. He's like, well, what are you mad at me about? The water came from up there. It came from over there. I wasn't doing it. So uh, at this point, Brophy's like, enough with this and says, you know, devil take me. And he ends up, you know, wrestling with her and the devil possesses his body. Leslie Nielsen's like, no, now it's my body. And it's at this point that I realize as they're possessing each other. So Brophy gets possessed. He's in the blue dress that. Linda Blair was wearing and Linda Blair's wearing his priest outfit. So then when Brophy said, uh, Le- uh, Leslie Nielsen gets possessed off of Brophy, he's wearing Leslie Nielsen's outfit and Leslie Nielsen's wearing, uh, the, the blue dress and he ends up jumping on Linda Blair's unpossessed character, uh, possessed Leslie Nielsen. And that's when Jesse says it looks like a transvestite battle royal. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right. So the devil re repossesses uh Linda Blair and that's when they uh Brophy and Leslie is like, We've tried everything. We've tried everything that the devil hates. We've even tried sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Which I just want to go on record as saying three things that they didn't try in the movie. <laughs> And three things that I don't think the devil hates, by the way, Joe. Right. So I'm like, okay. And she's like, rock and roll music. I hate rock and roll music. And they're like, wait a minute. Maybe we didn't use rock and roll. So they decide to sing. Do you know what song they decide to sing, Joe? Well, being that I just watched the movie, yes, I do. It was Devil with a Blue Dress on, right? So, and then at this point, like, you know, they're playing... The, the, ba- the like the music and Leslie Nielsen's changing into all these outfits. He's Prince. He's Michael Jackson. My favorite get up. From He's like him, a Billy Idol esque whatever. Yes, Billy Idol is the Elton John thing. Cracks me up. You didn't I like the Robert what? Palmer where the nuns were like the girls from the Addicted yep. to Love video. Or yeah, or is it simply irresistible or both? Or both. Right. So he's doing that and he's doing the, the Elton John thing, which always takes, every time I see him, like, El, that era Elton John, the like bombastic over the top things, it reminds me of when he was on the 70s Muppet Show. And all they described, they kept describing him as the rock and roll star who liked to dress like a stolen car. <laughs> I don't know why. And that's what I always, uh, think about that. So rock and roll, uh, is get like, you know, is, is hurting Linda Blair. She calls 911. She's like, yeah, this is, you know, the devil and they're playing rock and roll and it's pushing me out of this possessed body. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So like 911 hang hung up on her. And th- at this point she leaves and, and she gets booted out of Linda Blair's body. She's back to normal. And they're like, well, the devil's gone forever and that's when you know you hear the laugh and i'll be i'll be back again they're like "Uh uh-oh so they cut no 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 no. they all three look into the camera and go "Ooh shit yes Ooh shit yeah 
<laughs> which is a great bit. I actually have ooh shit written down here and I missed it. Um, so they cut back to Leslie Nielsen at the, the seminar that he's given, the class that he's giving. And he's like, you know, everything was fine. The husband was fine. The kids are fine. And now they're taking acting lessons. <laughs> Which is a long, like, a long beat between the beginning of that joke and the end of that joke. But I will say I appreciate the effort on that one. I really do. So, and I missed, the, there was this, like, one shitty guy asking questions throughout the movie. Um, He comes to the end and he's like, really? Like, after all that, uh, like, Linda Blair's character shows up. She's, she's there. One person just asks, like, how do you feel? She's like, I feel fine. They cut to this other wiseacre, and he's like, you really expect us to believe this bullshit? Like, how brain dead do you think we are? And while he's talking, you just hear the vomit sound, and he just gets drenched in pea soup. Shot cuts back to Leslie Nielsen and Linda Blair. They're, like, wiping the corner of their mouth because, you know, you have, they have puke, puke on it. And then they just look into the camera like and and like lurch their head like, huh? And the movie ends with the credit credits roll. There's a song, which, like I said, I didn't listen to repossessed over um, 82 minutes. Uh, we're done. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. So you can Todd, now ask me questions you want. Todd, I'll take my uh, my heaps of praise now for introducing mm-hmm. you to this film. I am actually shocked. I, this movie was so up my alley in the 90s. How, no, like, all joking aside, was this actually the people who made Airplane? No, or, no, okay, so. Or any of the, the Naked Gun movies? Absolutely not. So the guy who made this, who wrote and directed this, is a guy by the name of Bob Logan. His filmography, quote-unquote, is he wrote the kids cartoon the popples do you remember the popples todd I remember the popples yes they were no uh snorks but they were pretty good okay he was also a writer and developer on the uh original ghostbusters cartoon not the real ghostbusters cartoon that was based off the hit movie but the one that was like hey let's take that old 60s show with the ape and the whole thing like that Larry Storch. Well, the Larry Storch movie, they turned that into a cartoon when the real Ghostbusters cartoon came on. Right, He was a creator and a writer of the redo of the Dennis the Menace cartoon with Phil Hartman as the voices. After that, he did Meatballs 4, the one that starred Corey Feldman, and he did a whole bunch of, like, those... Those shitty DV, those shitty VHSs that you would see. It's like, uh, most daring rescues or TV's comedy classics or most awesome acts on earths. And he did one called How to Get Revenge that starred Linda Blair. That same year, he did another movie called Up Your Alley, also starring Linda Blair, and he did this. So, apparently, like, he had some sort of connection to Linda Blair, had her make this, some other shitty movie, and that directive VHS How to Get Revenge video. I wonder if he, like, had, like, he, he was her dealer or something. Oh, my goodness. I don't, well, again, I don't want to cast dispersions about Linda Blair, but her past, uh, involving, um, illicit drugs and illicit drugs is very publicized, but forgotten about for all the good stuff that she's done. Like repossessed. Like repossessed, yes. But like all joking aside, 
I don't I, like you said this guy wrote this movie. This movie like feels like the guys uh the the, the, the who were the guys who did airplane the uh, uh the Zucker Abrams and Zucker? Yes, the Zucker brothers. That like I wouldn't know that they didn't do this movie. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not I, I was I'd say airplane as much like is is like the top of the heat for those types of movies, these zany whatever these are, like types of comedies. But to me, I was like, my God, this, this feels like airplane and the, and the naked gun movies, like, like, like really well though. And how I never watched it in the nineties or later. And maybe I was remembering it as, uh, that other dead and Dracula dead and loving it. Like where, like Nielsen's career went off the rails, you know, like, like we said last week. So I don't know, but I wish I had watched this. I'm going to be totally honest. I wish I had watched this movie sooner. Um, because like I said, there are a lot of gags that just, I almost pissed my pants laughing at. Cause like, you know, I keep saying it. They were really like up my alley for, for what they were doing. Right. So I want to say in watching this movie again, you know, as mentioned, of course, this was it had a limited theatrical release. It had a big role on uh, VHS, of course. And then I think it was in heavy rotation on HBO for a better part of the early 90s. Um, Mm -hmm. So here's my problem with this movie. Okay. right. I want more. Okay, movies, 80 minutes. There's obviously stuff that was cut. Uh, there's the whole scene of the the Jim and Tammy Faye Baker characters doing their part of the broadcast that is cut down into like a three minute video. I think a that, montage, right? I think there was more to that. Uh, they mentioned about the drugs and the sex. I bet you there was more to that that probably got cut so it didn't get an R rating. Um, the stuff with. Mean Gene and Jesse, I think, was filmed completely separate from everything else that was going on. The mm-hmm. cutaways to Leslie Nielsen doing the class, I, I'm, I have a strange feeling were done as like pickups after the fact. Cause like, yes, they do her hair, but like Linda Blair has like a completely different hairstyle, like completely, like not even wearing the wig that she is when she's possessed, but a different hairstyle from when she's the mother in the thing, so I think that stuff was picked up way after the fact to, like, replace whatever stuff they shot that didn't work. If that makes any sense. I don't know. I think you're overthinking it. I really do. I think... And, okay, so the DVD of this has a trivia commentary, quote-unquote, which is just, like, trivia subtitles, but it's less stuff about the movie, and it's more stuff about, like, oh, here's the thing we ripped off from Exorcist. And then, like, <laughs> nothing for, like, ten minutes. And then it's like, oh, here's a thing that uh, we thought up the day of the shoot. I want a director's commentary. <laughs> I want a cast and crew commentary. I want the producer, whoever put up the money for this movie commentary. I want a, a, a where are they now featurette where we get the cast back together to reminisce. Like, this is a movie that deserves, like, the full treatment. Like, how earlier this year we got whatever company that is, Shout Factory, whoever the hell it is, to do a redo, like, re-release later this year of the Dragnet film. I think mm-hmm. we have the power to get repossessed to get this huge re-release on DVD. I don't know if Blu-ray, we didn't get Blu-ray. If we didn't get Smokey is the Bandit made, I don't know. See, I think Smokey is the Bandit is too big of a fish. Right. Because I think we got to we got to work these small ones. 
You know and what I get mean? Our so cred. like at the end of the year when we're submitting our resume to the pod the podcast awards and entertainment and show business. Right. We can right. say, listen, our podcast got the DVD release done of Dragnet. We got the Blu-ray. We got the we got the cast of Repossessed back together, <laughs> goddammit. Put we use give us Smokey as the bandit. That's right. We we'll use the spirit board to get uh, Leslie Nielsen involved. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh. But Oof. I'm glad you enjoyed this movie. I had fun. I had fun. I hope me explaining it wasn't too rambled together, but uh, I don't know. Like I said, see this movie before you before you go start this podcast. We should put this being watch this movie. <laughs> oh, good stuff. I, and oh, go ahead. And I get a free meal out of it. That's right. We got to work that out. Re pancaked. It should be called. No. I th- now, see, this is the thing about it is you can get uh, the DVD on uh, Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have like a re – like so there's a bunch of different releases of it. I don't think it's streaming on any of the- – oh, no, you can get it on Amazon Prime Video. You could rent it for three bucks. Totally oh. worth it. I don't know. I think it's worth twice that. Now, the DVD appears, like, this iteration of the DVD appears to be out of print. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it says DVD from $49 and up, which is a lot of money for a DVD. I don't know. But it is part of a random four-DVD film collection of My Best Friend is a Vampire, Slaughter High, and Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, Plus repossessed, of course, which you can get all four of those films for ten dollars, or you can and get just repossessed on DVD for fifty dollars. <laughs> I say you go with just repossessed for fifty dollars, <laughs> and make sure you click through our Amazon click through when you're doing it. Yes, I say if you're buying those four movies for ten dollars, you're really paying nine for repossessed. Yeah, and a. And like three, 33 and a third cents for each of the other ones. Uh, I can't speak for the Silent Night, Deadly Night 3 or My Best Friend is a Vampire, but Slaughter High is a good uh, kind of – it's it's a run-of-the-mill 80 slasher film, but it, it's got some sick kills in it, which is uh, always a positive. Okay. I'll take your word for it when it's your, uh, when it's your December movie. Yes. Oh, boy. Maybe it's my November movie. I don't know. But yes, yes, of course I'm overthinking this movie because it was such a delightful walk down memory lane uh, to to revisit what this film is and has become in my, in my life. And in now your life now, Todd, and of course you, the listeners of the show's lives as well. Right. Now if only we had cool graphics to go with this podcast. Oh my goodness. And, and again, another shout out to my good buddy James who puts these uh, these graphics together, shoddily edits them together in a way that I could never do. Uh, he took uh, Todd and I's likeness and put it onto the movie poster for this. And I think you've been seeing it the whole time that you've been listening to this. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed getting it in my inbox when uh, James sent it to me. Well, I enjoyed you enjoying them enjoying it. Is that still a joke? It's always going to be a joke for me. All right. Fair enough. All right. We still have another goddamn podcast to do. 
Oh, that's going to be a short, we'll do the short, short version. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, hanging in here with us for episode 205 of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, the repossessed retrospecticus. And, uh, you know, longboxheroes.com, soon to be named network.com, all the places you can find the shows. Uh, in the show notes, it's all the different podcatchers and all that shit where you can get the show as well. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch y'all here next week.